we are happy for people to be who they are. Like it really, it's not, a lot of people talk about bring yourself to work and all of those other things, but that, that is what it is at the end of the day is that we're a, we're a bunch of 140 weird people and we embrace that. And I think a lot of this comes down to a big shift in the way that the relationship between companies and employees is, is changing. Yeah. In the old days, the relationship was very much a parental one. So the company or boss was effectively the parent and the employees were effectively the children. And you could see this in a lot of ways in terms of people would have a single career and they'd be there forever. And all of the benefits that were provided were these very long-term things, focus heavily on things like pension and retirement. And if you stay with us for 30 or 40 years, you'll get the gold watch, etc. So yeah. there was very much a very strong dependent part relationship and I think over time that's changed to much more of a partnership where people employers and employees say okay we recognize we can only be together for two three four five years how do we make this work best for both of us and this was something I heard from Reed Hoffman on one of his podcasts he said he called he took it to the extreme the tours of duty is saying when he had hired people in his interview he'd say to them what's your next role going to be after this one and how do I help you get there but we, we need to recognize that that companies and, and you know people are but just in this together for a few years, how do we make the best of it together? How do we bring yeah. out the best of each other for a few years? And if we part ways, it's okay. It's, re it's really okay. Hello, hello, and welcome to series three of Seed Scaling So Far podcast, where we speak to founders, talent leaders, and people professionals about their scaling stories and how to take a people first approach in business and beyond. In this episode, I chat with Jonathan Rumer, one of five co-founders of InsureTech company ULife, the folks taking a gamified, wellness-oriented approach to life insurance. They've won a ton of awards since inception in 2017, making the Startups 100 list for 2021 and being named by City AM as one of the top 50 London startups to work for. Listening to Jonathan and the way he describes the ULife culture and what's important to them as they scale the company, I'm not surprised. We had an awesome conversation about their people plans for 2022, why workplace culture is so important and how fast growing scale-ups can level up on that front too. I know you'll get a ton of insight from this, so grab a coffee, listen in, and I hope you enjoy the chat as much as I did. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, really, really excited to be chatting with you and hearing more about you life. For our listeners, um, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, what's your story? Yeah, very happy to and, and happy to be here. Um, always fun doing, doing a, a, a different podcast. Um, so yeah, as, as mentioned, my name is Jonathan. I'm one of the, the co-founders of, uh, of you life. Um, what's my story? Uh, I am South African. So uh, I've been in the UK for just over a decade now, um, of which most of that time has been spent working with, with the ULife guys. As a background, I'm trained as an actuary, which was fun. Um, <laughs> and I'm not sure if the listeners can hear the, the, you know, the emphasis on the word fun there. Um, so I trained as an actuary and I spent quite a few years at KPMG in the life actuarial department, which I didn't love, I'll be honest. Uh, but then we was very fortunate to move into a new team, which they started called the Tech Growth Team, which was around helping companies, helping startups to, to get going, to grow, to scale. Uh, and it was something I really enjoyed. And I did it for about four years. And it, it, was, it was an amazing experience because we were just kind of given the brief to get out there, help however possible. And hopefully as they grow, they'll come back and buy some tax services and, and other things uh, afterwards. So, yeah, that was, that was a little bit about my journey trained as an actuary, worked in South Africa for a while, moved to the UK, spent some time in KPMG, and then met with the uh, 
the, uh, the, the guys as they were just kicking off the, the ULIFE journey. Awesome. So that was back in 2017, right? Yeah, so back end of 2016 and then early into the 2017. Mm. And, and you founded ULIFE, co-founded ULIFE together with your four other co-founders. So is it Yako, Josh, Sam and Sammy? That's correct. Um, You've got a full full five of you. <laughs> Busy stuff, especially at the start, I'm sure. Uh, can you just tell us a little bit about the company? Um, like what's the vision, what's the mission and, and what you guys have been up to since then? Yeah, of, co- of course. So ULife is an insurance company with a mission to inspire people to live their best lives every day. Mm-hmm. And we really are very mission and vision led as a business. It's something we hold very dear to, to ourselves. And the way that we look at the world and look at insurance is, is a little bit different. So we've redefined what insurance means. And I th- think that there's a lot we'll follow in the market on this. So historically, insurance has been around claims compensation. When something goes wrong, the company pays out. But the way that we see insurance is that it's not about the claims compensation. It's about risk mitigation, risk partnership. How do we work with the person who, we, who we're insuring to either reduce the risk or to find ways to prevent it? So insurance is totally redefined. And what that means within our context of life insurance is that we want to find ways to help people to live and to live well so that they live for longer. So you could look at it from you know, a bit of a critical eye and say, yeah, it's just because insurance companies don't want to pay out. Well, yeah, that's true. We'd like for people to, to, to live longer. And it's a real win-win because hopefully people live longer, they're healthier, they're happier, and we pay out later or, or, or not at all. So it's, it's just a great alignment of, of everything. And the way that we actually accomplish that on a daily basis is through the ULIFE app. So mm-hmm. we've created an incredibly fun, gamified app that helps and then inspires and rewards people for looking after their, their health. So you earn Ucoin, which is a currency of well-being we've created for doing things like walking, mindfulness, cycling. And you can use your Ucoin to get some incredible rewards, everything from Amazon vouchers to planting trees. Oh, that sounds awesome. And yeah, I think like a lot of the time or well, in the past, we've sort of um, relied heavily on (laughs) managing the situation when, to put it bluntly, shit hits the fan, right? (laughs) Like as soon as something bad happens, we then, you know, have to go to hospital, the dentist, whatever it might be, and and make that claim when actually taking that more preventative approach seems a lot more proactive and um, you know, you don't want people to have to claim on the insurance. <laughs> like that's not that's not necessarily the end goal. Actually, the end goal is to help people to to live a better life and a healthier life. So, yeah, love that, and definitely a mission that I could get behind. So, what what's that journey at U Life for you specifically looked like so far? So it's it's been a it's been a I I can't say it's been a smooth journey. It's been an amazing journey. It's been it's been one where I've learned so much every day. Um, mm. It's been it's been it's been brilliant, really. So when we first started uh, back in yeah, 2016, 2017, we were uh, five of us trying to to find our way within this incredible world of insurance with all varying different backgrounds and yeah. how to get there. And you know, the first couple of years were very slow. We started with absolutely nothing, and then Josh, our CTO, you know, started to to build an incredible team and to to pull out our first product, which was very slow. And mm. we didn't get the, the initial traction that we wanted. And it was, it was quite difficult. And then we, we kind of pivoted the product slightly and the way we were selling it and started to bring on some other incredible people. And you know, from there, the last two, two and a half to three years have just been, been phenomenal growth. And for me personally, I, you know, I played a, a, a lot of roles across the business. So for the first few years, involved in everything from the insurance side and pricing it to helping Josh on the game side. 
um, and then in the direct sales team and, and helping out, out across and, and then um, over the last 18 months or so really just creating a home for myself within the customer success side of the business so making sure that our, our, our customers are, are looked after and getting as much value as they, they possibly can um, every day. Nice. So wearing many hats. <laughs> so yeah, shrinking, shrinking the hats now to hopefully one, with, one big one with a few teeny ones. <laughs> and I feel like that, you know, no startup is smooth sailing, right? That's, that's the nature of a startup. It's like chaos and then how you organize it. So <laughs> uh, that's the fun part. Um, and you mentioned there, like in the early stages, bringing on incredible people and incredible talent. Um, what was your approach to to really growing the U Life team? You know, with five co-founders, I'm sure you had an incredible network of people that you were able to tap into. Um, but yeah, I'd love to hear a bit more about, especially at those early stages, how you went about that. Yeah, so I mean, it's very simple. Basically, Josh, I've mentioned already a few times, our CTO hired everyone he went to school with or was mildly related to. So our very early stage of our business was, was just friends and family of Josh. Um, and actually, a lot of them have stayed throughout the entire journey. So, so he did a very good job with that. But in the beginning, it's, it's very interesting because when you are just starting either pre-seed or just after seed, you have very little. So you might have you know funds to pay some some form of salary. But the people who are joining are not joining, as we well know, at that stage for financial stability. They're joining because they believe in the vision and the mission and the people who are there. So that's what you have to, to sell when you're recruiting is, you know, come along on the journey, um, be, be with us. This is what we're trying to achieve in the world. So you really have to find people who, who are, you know, prepared to put their, you know, risk it for, for, for the vision and the mission. So for us, that early emphasis on what we're trying to achieve was the way that we were able to bring in people who, you know, we should have had probably no right to bring in given the stage of the, the, the business. And yeah. it was a lot of people we knew already, you know, who, who had some form of, you know, trust or, uh, or, or uh, you know, foolishness to say, okay, I'll, 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 I'll give it a go. Brilliant. Yeah. Trust or foolishness. I like that. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It's it's a level of, um, yeah, potentially, yeah, just taking a leap and a leap of faith in some instances. Um, and, it, and it does help, especially like that early stage, being able to tap into your network where you do have that level of trust already. Um, people know you, they know your passion, they know your capabilities. So um, yeah, it makes total sense to, to be looking at those closer to you than starting off cold, right? Um, cool. And, and then now you're about 140 employees, is that right? I think so. I haven't checked today, but, but I believe it is around there, yes. Um, and on the startups 100 list for 2021 so congrats for that um, awesome awesome news and a huge achievement and raised your series b funding in july last year you've got some huge clients you know havas co-op capital one um who obviously now as you mentioned in your role you're taking good care of um what's your approach to growing the U Life team um now in the stage that you're at and obviously how's that different to to that early early stage yeah so it's it, it's a very interesting journey in the way that it you know that the, there's there's changes i don't think it's just how's it different than today it, it often changes you know by by the month or the or the week or the or, or the day um, but there have been i suppose some themes in the way things have changed you know when we were first starting the business there's there's just so much potential and a lot of the people we hire or the skills that we hire for were you, you hire on somebody's potential as well not only just the fact that they, you know, because you don't know what you need. Like, all right, we need to start selling the product. 
So you hire somebody who, who has the potential to you know, be a sales, head of sales, whatever the different type of role is, and you hire, uh, or we certainly did hire just based on, on, on the person less than their, a little bit less than probably their ex direct experience. Mm -hmm. And as we've grown and as the company has formed and as we have clearer needs to what we need, you know, we've needed to have more classic job descriptions yeah. and actually hire people who have specific skill sets as opposed to just hiring based on, on, on what we think their potential is. So we still very much want to hire incredible people regardless of the role, but it does become a, the, the balance between hiring, well, this person's amazing, we'll make it work in a certain way with actually, well, we need someone for this specific role changes. So the balance of what you're looking for, what we've looked for has certainly changed. Um, and also we have to be cautious of just, you know, we can't just hire willy-nilly. You know, we, we, we have raised good funds, but we, we really want to put it to work. We want to be lean. We want to make sure that we, you know, we're hiring the right people for, for the right roles. Because I think the, the, we have quite a, a stringent interview process because one of the things that's most important for us is, is the culture of the people coming in. So most people, when they, when they join, will meet four or five people within your life before they've got there. But their technical skills would have been assessed within the first or second interview to, to you know, let max. And the rest is just making sure that the person we feel is, is a fit and that they know who we are so that they can also make an informed decision. So mm -hmm. we really want to make sure to get that process right because it's a long process and um, don't want to have to repeat it if we get it wrong, which we do occasionally. Yeah. And especially at the stage that you're at, mishires are costly, right? Like, you know, it, it's visible, it's seen. So yeah, making it, it's worth taking the time in a longer process to make sure that they're the right fit. Um, on the culture sort of um, in, uh, interview conversation, that part of the candidate experience, how, how are you assessing culture? Like, how do you understand if somebody um, would be the right fit? So it's, you know, I think it's, it's a very difficult one to have a specific set of questions for us like, you know, do you, what is, how do you define culture? And you ask, a lot of it for me personally, and I know that with, with the other team, and that's why also we have quite a few people meet them is because we, we need to get a few different opinions. We'll come from different perspectives, ask different questions. For me personally, I'm just trying to peel off that top layer of an interview and, and where a person is trying to present themselves in a very polished way and basically read out their CV. I'm trying to just find out who the person is. So one of the questions I've, I've started asking, which I, which I quite like, and, and it usually hopefully disarms people a little bit, is, you know, most people at the CV will have their section at the bottom saying interests. Some do, some don't. I, I particularly like it because I want to just see what's beyond the, the, the skill set. So I'll often ask people, what was the thing you wanted to put down there that you were embarrassed to because you were worried I would or wouldn't like, you know, I might not like it? I love that. <laughs> because a lot of most most of us would have something there. Now I'm not looking to find out what people's you know like crazy personal uh, you know adventures are, but but I do want to understand who they are. And now this is very important for two reasons. Because number one, actually, I may not like it, but that's okay. Because if that type of interest doesn't align with who we are as a business, they probably don't want to work for us anyway. Because it's not they're not going to enjoy it. It's not going to be the right place. So it qualifies us out for them. But at the same time. If the, you know, the interest in what they show and who they are aligns with who we are, that's great. It means that they'll accelerate the process. So I don't think there's any problem with like kind of being yourself in your CV because if a company doesn't like it, that's a good sign. It means you shouldn't be there anyway. Yeah. 
So I like to try and just peel off that, that top layer and say, who is the person? Now, when I, that, I want to be clear that there's, there's no list of interests that I have written down that if someone says, oh, I like reading, that's a tick. It's purely to see if the person is passionate about something and prepared to be themselves, because that's what's yeah. really, really important about And also is how that person handles that question as well, right? Because that, as you said, that can really disarm some people. Yeah. Actually, they might laugh and say, do you know what I really wanted to put down? Like train spotting or crochet. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. Something, but we tend to, you know, put, especially in the interest section, very generic things. Travel. Yes, traveling. Cooking. Yes. yes. And a lot of people, they are passionate about that and that's okay. And if someone is passionate, I want to see that passion when they say travel. I'm desperate to go to Greece. You know, I've learned about this place and that place and the culture and the like. It's just, yeah, it's just, I want to see that people are happy to be them. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I really like that. That's a cool question. People should try and implement that in their, uh, in their process as well. See how it goes. So as we look to sort of 2022, um, what does the year have in store for for you life from a people perspective um like what are some of your goals initiatives things that like you're really focusing in on when you're scaling your your team yeah and this is one of those things that comes back down to our 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 mission which is to inspire people to live their best lives so no that's not only for our customers that is for every single one of us that works at you life and our extended families as well so you know we focus heavily on on that question of you know how can we inspire people to live their best lives so we we're doing a lot of investing within within our people at the moment there's a lot of there's a lot of training that's going on there's there's a, a a lot of investment into just you know, not not only uh, everybody themselves, but also into the way that we, you know, we, we hopefully look after and manage people. So a lot of investment into people who have leadership roles as well, because that's where you know it all cascades down. Is that we need to? You can have the best work and the best culture, but if you've got a bad manager, your experience is not great. So we want to quite focus on that. Also, you know, we've been because we have been scaling quite a lot. We have, you know, a, a huge number of people who've joined in the last few months. And for a, for, a, for a lack of a better expression, we still need to indoctrinate them, you know, into the proper, you know, you life way and culture. So we, we have to focus quite a lot on, on taking the time to make sure that we, we, we keep and maintain and grow the culture that we've created that we know works for us, that we really want to go. So a lot of it is consolidation at the moment, making sure that everyone is, is working in the same direction, uh, making sure that you know, we, we can keep that... Um, yeah, just that amazing way of working that we've, we've we've had so far as we've now, you know, doubled and tripled in size and we'll still continue to grow. And, and was a lot of that growth remotely as well that you've experienced recently? Have, or have you been sort of hybrid back to office? What's the setup? Yeah, I mean, we, we've, we've kind of been fluid because, you know, when the, we, we closed the office relatively early when all the pandemic stuff started, uh, we're very fortunate that at the time we were fully kitted out and capable of everybody working anywhere and quite quickly we just said okay that's you know that's it this is this is the way we're going to be everyone can you know pick the working patterns that work for themselves within teams so mm. you know we've, we've kind of left it to each of the individual managers or teams to to set the cadence that works for them we are in the process of renovating our office so we will have the office we have not gotten rid of the office um, yeah. but we haven't scaled it up because we had it with a maximum capacity of 40 or 50 people um but we're not so we're not going to move we're going to keep it as 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 a hub and a more of a a place for collaboration and team meetings and things like that so i think for me it's it's a particular one i like working from home it doesn't work for everyone i I particularly 
case. I, I enjoy the, the extra time I can spend with the family. I, I, I don't miss the commute at all. <laughs> yes, I don't miss my Northern line, uh, you know, twice a day, 40, 45 minutes. Um, but there are a lot of benefits from being in person as well. So I think that the, the goal for us that we've seen working is just trying to create a cadence per team that works for, for those teams and for people. Because I have a lot of people in my team who, who love going into the office and love being, you know, they, they, it's just what they want to do. It fits their personality. So we don't want to hamstring that. Um, yeah. But we're also happy to hire anywhere in the world now as well, with, with it, within reason, time zones and, and other things uh, permitting. We're, we're, not, we're, not, um, we're not too fast. That's brilliant. And your hire, just out of interest, your approach to hiring anywhere, obviously, within reason, like, did that come, um, like, following the pandemic and the sort of shift to accommodating that remote work? Or actually, is that something you've always been open to? I think, I mean, we were open to it, but we've embraced it now. So, but you know, pre-pandemic, we, we had quite a few people working in our product and technology team who were based in various parts of, of the world. I think yeah. that our, you know, in, in for many companies, certainly for us, the the product and the engineering teams and the the tech teams kind of have always led the way in remote working. So they've always embraced technology and ways of trying to make things more efficient. Um, yeah. And you know, so they, 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 we we certainly already had people working across uh, Moldova, Philippines, and, and other places with with uh, across the world on on our technology side. Um, and then we've embraced that now, you know, for for the rest of the team. Or the rest mm. of the company but it, again it depends on each team and the cadence so certain roles are more difficult to do remotely certain sales roles where people need to visit customers although to be honest most of that is still now zoom based um, mm. are better a bit more local but my, my most recent hiring to uh, our team uh, an incredible guy named kevin lives and works in south mm. africa so yeah 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 and i think there are some some instances as you say where specific market knowledge or presence is beneficial um but having the flexibility of where in that location um it's always good to be open to that so no that's super interesting and um obviously you've got a ton of experience in scaling you life itself um by almost 150 people and obviously in your role um advising i think more than 200 startups <laughs> as part of that kpmg um tech growth team which is insane um so you've seen a lot <laughs> um are you able to share what some of your biggest learnings and realizations have been when it comes to building teams yeah i'm happy to i think the first one is the you know the kpmg side where i did i spent four years helping startups to to grow um, what did I learn from that? The single most biggest lesson I learned from that is it's much easier to tell people what to do than do it yourself. I mean, I know it's a really, it's a really, you know, easy thing to, to, to say, um, but there's a huge difference between advising and doing. And you, I think you only realize it often when you actually start doing. So I, there's certainly, you know, a lot of things that I learned from listening to startups and their, their problems and things, but there's, there's no, there is no other way to learn other than by doing really. Like that's, that's the real way. No, I, I remember often startups that come to me with these very simple questions, all right? As, I mean, right at the beginning, I've got an idea, what do I do? And you say, well, the first thing you should probably do is register a company, you wanna go, you go on company's house website, you fill in the form, go. so it sounds really simple. But then when I left and was doing it on my own as well, and you go to a company's house, you're like, all right, do I do limited in a full thing or do a LTD in small caps or do it, is it capitals? Does it make a difference? And I'm spending half an hour Googling the difference between limited LTD and LTD. And like, I'm panicking, I'm gonna get it wrong. So there's a very, very big difference between advising someone when it's just, okay, go to this website and you're emotionally, you know, attached to the, the, the outcome that you're doing. So that was, um, 
That was interesting. I think, you know, from, from the ULAF experience, it's hard to draw too many lessons because we're in the thick of it now. Like we, we are scaling, but we are still, still learning every, every day. So there's a lot that we've learned. I think for, you know, for me personally, um, I've learned a lot more around how to manage people, how to lead teams and how to, uh, how, you know, how to just to deal with people because that's ultimately what, what the, the role becomes as you become more senior than a business. It's far less about the outcomes and far around how do you enable your team to get to those outcomes? So it's, you know, it's, yeah. you're a psychologist, you're a, you're a, you're, you're an everything um, and not something, you know, they trained actuaries to be, they didn't really train us to deal with human beings. They trained us to deal with numbers. So I deal with numbers much more easily, but my, my team are amazing people, not, not just numbers. Yeah. And how, um, if you don't mind me asking, like, was that really on the, on the job, so to speak, that you were learning and you're adapting your style or like, did you, have you got a mentor or are there books that you read or resources that you look at? So a lot of it was, was getting help from my, my incredible team as well. So mm-hmm. I, when, when it comes to reading, I'm just one of these people that likes to read fiction. I find it very hard to read nonfiction books. So there are, you know, there are some, so there are some incredible books out there, but I'm, I'm very fortunate that one of, uh, one of the co-founders, our CEO, Sam Fromson, is just one of the most incredible people when it comes to training and helping and learning and absorbing information. So he reads all of those books. Like he'll read them in five minutes, distill the lessons, and then can help me and help the rest of us to actually implement and, and learn and grow. So I had a huge amount of support from, from Sam and from Josh as well, um, who, despite the fact he's being our CTO, has just incredible insight into how people work, not just, not just computers, as you'd say. Um, so the two of them have helped me a, a huge amount on, on that personal journey I've had in, in how I work with my team, lead my team, and uh, have grown in my, my style and ability to do it. Amazing. Sounds like, yeah, you've, you've got your, some great people around you mm. and you've got you as well. So awesome. And is there any advice on building teams that you've heard of um, that you think is just totally misguided, should be avoided, pitfalls to avoid? I think there's so much out there that often it's hard to cut through the noise. And actually some things are just just shouldn't be followed. It's a tough question. I, I, I think I don't, I, I actually don't know. It's, it's very hard to, to answer that question, you know, because you'll hear so many things that are totally contradictory um, about, you, you, you know, have a very solid job spec with all of it, have, you know, have something a bit loose or use a recruiter, don't use a recruiter. And I, 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 I don't think I've found anything that's always wrong or always right. Uh, for a lot of the roles that we've, we've hired for, it has been more fluid and some things have worked and some things they have. This is a question I mean, I've, I've waffled at haven't given you an answer at all. So I should be a politician, which is, which is, you know, perhaps the next move actually will definitely never be the move. Um, but I, I, don't, I actually don't know. I think that's, let, let, let me be clear and give clarity in my speech. I do not know. <laughs> Perfect. That's okay. And I think also that's kind of the nature of advice as well, right? Like some things do work for some people and, I might fall down a certain pit because it's not applicable to my company or my situation. Um, so yeah, all good. Not knowing is, is good. I think that's actually probably the right answer. Who knows? <laughs> um, and obviously you life as a brand is, is playing a huge part in uh, shaping what the employee experience of, of today should look like. And I think many companies clearly just aren't getting this right um, still. And it's a continual 
continual evolution, right? Um, obviously, we've got like the great resignation, the great attrition, whatever people are calling it, all those names. Um, but that was more towards the end of last year and just seems to be really coming through into this year as well. And I don't think it's necessarily going to slow down. Um, I'm really interested to hear and understand, like, what does a great workplace culture look like for you? No, it's it's a it's a it's a great question. I, I can reflect on what our culture is and why why I love it, and you know I, I and compare it to I suppose interesting cultures that I've been involved in from from other workplaces, and then I think I'll talk a little bit about a trend and why I think it's also going that direction. You know, for for me and for for what we've done at ULife, I think the reason why our culture is something that comes out so strongly and you know what's allowed us to hire people who we should have never been able to hire across the you know the 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 spectrum of our, of our scaling is that number one it's genuine so when we talk about it when i talk about these things it's actually the way that people feel and i think that the single most important thing that comes out of that is that we are happy for people to be who they are like it really it's not a lot of people talk about bring yourself to work and all of those other things but that that is what it is at the end of the day is that we're a, we're a bunch of 140 weird people and we embrace that and it's okay. And I've been told I shouldn't be too flippant about calling people weird because they don't like it. But that's just, you know, that like, when I, and when I say the word weird, I mean it with so much love and passion. It's because people are happy to come and say and be who they are yeah. within reason, because obviously we still need to have a safe place to work that doesn't make anyone feel uncomfortable. But I love being on my Zoom call where people will talk about, Natasha, who we just hired, is passionate about cheese. Cheese. She's always talking about cheese. This cheese, that cheese. She loves cheese. And then Claire will talk about Lego because she loves Lego and she wants to be a professional Lego collector and builder. And you know, we have these incredible people who are very passionate about things that other people would go, okay, it's just cheese. You know? Like, no, it's not just cheese. Yeah. So I think we, you know, we, we've created an environment and hopefully we'll continue to sustain an environment where people are happy to talk about their passions um, without fear of, of being you know, looked, looked upon in, in, in a funny way. Yeah. So it's one of those things, and, and I really see myself as kind of being right up, right up there in those uniquenesses. We can just talk about it, and 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 being you know happy to show who show who I am again within reason, because we don't want yeah. to make people feel too uncomfortable. Uh, but it is it's just a great place to 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 come and to be, and to to not feel like you know you 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 have to leave. Okay, I, I have to turn on Zoom now. I have to stop being stop being me. And I think a lot of this comes down to a big shift in the way that the relationship between companies and employees is, is changing. That's been happening over many years, and I think the pandemic has really highlighted it, is yeah. in the old days, the relationship was very much a parental one. So the company or boss was effectively the parent and the employees were effectively the children. And you could see this in a lot of ways in terms of people would have a single career and they'd be there forever. And all of the benefits that were provided were these very long-term things, focused heavily on things like pension and retirement and if you stay with us for 30 or 40 years you'll get the gold watch etc so yeah. there was very much a very strong dependent type relationship and I think over time that's changed to much more of a partnership where people employers and employees say okay we recognize we can only be together for two three four five years how do we make this work best for both of us yeah. You know, so it becomes much more of a, a partnership approach so you know often this was something I heard from Reed Hoffman on one of his podcasts, he said he called he took it to the extreme. The tours of duty is saying when he had hired people and he had interviewed, say to them, "What's your next role going to be after this one, and how do I help you get there?" Yeah. So it's, you know we we need to recognize that that companies and and you know people are are just in this together for a few years. How do we make the best of it together? How do we bring yeah. out the best of each other for a few years? And if we part ways, it's okay. It's it's really okay. 
So I think that, you know, a lot of the things about the great resignation and people is they're looking at that and that meaning and saying, I want to be somewhere where I can contribute, but grow at the same time. And I want to have meaning from what I do. It's not, and Sammy, my, my CEO talks about this. It's not, work, the term work-life balance is, is, is ridiculous because if you put them on a scale, work, the opposite of life is death. It's not work. Yeah. Now, the opposite of work is not living. You don't stop living when you come to work. They're not, a, yeah. they're not on a scale that two things that you can balance. They're, 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 they're just not. So when you're working, you should still be able to live. You should be able to, 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 to get meaning and, and, and feel like you're contributing to the, you know, to, to, to the workplace and the world. And I think that's a big part of what the, you know, the great resignation has been about. Yeah. I feel like you've just said so much that I want to talk about. <laughs> First off, I feel like me and Natasha would get on really well. I also love cheese. Great. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I think like also really interesting is just that comfortability of people being with you for a temporary time and being okay with that and knowing, especially as an early stage company, that the people that are with you when you're at seed series A, that those really early stages might not be right for you, you know, a few years down the line in the stage of growth that you're at then. And they might not be right for you, but also you're probably not going to be right for them at that point. Like they love the build stage. So it's that comfort of saying like, yeah, let's go through this journey together, get the best out of out for both and let's see where it ends up and it's okay. And and I loved, I love the reference to Reed Hoffman as well. I, I've heard that myself and just thought, actually that's, it's brilliant. Like our, our role as leaders is to help people be who they want to be and to progress them and, and um, yeah, I think that's super relevant for that. So yeah, thank you for sharing all of that with us. Um, and obviously when it comes to workplace culture, many fast growing companies really struggle to really maintain that um, once they surpass like 100, 200 mark. Um, and as they continue to scale beyond, especially if they're like scaling in different territories um, and operating remotely as well. What sort of measures do you think um, could really be put in place to try to succeed when it comes to really scaling that workplace culture? I think there's there's a couple of things. So the first and something that we, we, we do comes a lot from our CEO, which is ritual building. So how do we build rituals within the business that you know kind of become the, those things that everyone looks forward to, gets used to, knows what happens? And you know we have two very big rituals every week. One is our Monday morning kickoff. So at half past nine on a Monday morning, we have a a 15 minute all hands where Sammy, our CEO, will come and talk something about on his mind, but it always will relate back to the vision and the mission of the business and what we're doing and how that affects the world and how things in the world can we can see how we can use that to to just to keep growing and keep helping them to, to inspire people. So every week always starts with why are we here? Not yeah. what are we doing? Not, not in that session, <clears throat> we don't talk about our KPIs, we don't talk about sales numbers, we don't talk about revenue, we don't talk about anything. Mm. We just talk about why are we here and why is it important for our mission and to succeed and to help people. So it always starts, the week always starts with a, 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 a reminder of why we're here and what we're trying to achieve. And then on Thursday afternoons, we have our, our bigger all hands, um, which is usually led by Sam, which is super high energy. And it has a few parts. Number one, it's about gratitude. So it starts with shout out. So throughout the week, people go in slacks and fill out a, an anonymous form to give um, a shout out to, to anybody. And a lot of them are incredibly gener generous and genuine. You know, this person did this and it was, it was amazing. Some are silly, some are fun, but we have a big session of just shout outs, just to recognize people and give gratitude for, 
for you know for how people have helped us across the business and then we do our news and, and at the end of it we will talk about our kpis how are we doing with our with our goals for the year so those are two very big rituals that we have every week which bring everyone together and, and get everyone on the same page and then a lot of it is also the recognition that as we grow um we need to make sure that 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 the people who joining have the ability to trans into looking for to keep the the transmission going of of the culture and the value. So they have to really, really you know live it so that when when they become leaders and managers, they can then bring it to their team. So it's almost like running a pyramid scheme where you you have to be very you know Sammy, our, our leader at the CEO, is the living embodiment of all of our vision and mission. Absolutely is. And then it comes to the you know the, the co-founders. And then we 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 have to we've got this really great layer of incredible people who've been with us for a long time. And then as newer people come in, we have to just um, you know keep keep embedding keep embedding so that they can keep spreading. It's almost like an assimilation, right? And like having those cultural pillars throughout the business allows you to sort of have that quite natural, but then reinforced by, as you say, those sort of regular rituals and communications from from the leadership team. So. No, that's cool. Thank you. And as we look in further into 2022, um, can't quite believe we're halfway through January already. Um, <laughs> what do you see as some of the biggest sort of challenges um, and potentially trends when it comes to workplace culture? Um, what can people really start to get ahead of right now? Yeah, I, I think... It's it's a very difficult question, and I, I I don't know any specific answer for it. I think, and I hope that as this year comes along and goes, we, we do get to some form of normal, new normal, old normal, whatever normal, uh, where everything is not just about COVID every every single day. And I think that there will be you know more conversations around: Do people go back to the office and culture and and can you really create a remote culture? Is it sustainable? How can you do it? And I, I think that you know, as far as possible, we should kind of pre-plan, just make sure that we have answers regardless um, yeah. and make some decisions now of who, you know, who we want to be in, in, in the world. I think for us, the way we see ourselves as being digital first, so having a digital headquarters. So yes, we have an office. Um, we're not remote only, we will be some form of hybrid, but just yeah. making sure that everyone, regardless of how, how they choose to interact and work, is is very much part of the team and feels part of the team so it's not like oh well everyone's going to be in the office now the five people who are remote are feeling left out so it's very much just making sure that we can create a cohesive inclusive environment across I suppose a hybrid um, hybrid way of working mm, no I, I love that and I think that's like a it, it's a continual process right and an evolution and actually something we've been discussing internally at Seed is um mm and employee voice and actually as we're scaling we we've just launched over in the US so we're looking at scaling our culture or making sure that people you know there's that inclusion and um and the right communications and we are obviously very mindful of actually as we're doing that we need to keep a pulse on how employees are feeling and yes. that's what our employee voice initiatives are so important now yes. more than and actually we're bringing into play a few more things like focus groups and um like hub roundtables to make sure that everyone at, yeah has a voice and is able yeah. to come forward um so that we've constantly got that pulse back into the business because as you said earlier like things are changing so quickly um and yeah how do you stay on top of that by listening i suppose <laughs> exactly well more importantly by doing the listening is a great first step yes 
exactly listening and then taking positive action exactly <laughs> um cool and a couple of more light-hearted questions to bring our chat to a close and now now that you've told me about your interview question i'm really interested about this one <laughs> anything that you're super passionate about unapologetically find just ultimate joy in that maybe you wouldn't TV. <laughs> It's, you know, it's, it's such a horrible question to be asked for me personally. And I think the reason I ask it of everyone else is because I'm still in search of that. <laughs> I think, you know, for me, there's, I, I love gadgets and I love reading fantasy books and I love just being a nerd, to be honest. It's just, it's just, and it's something I've really embraced over the last few years. I mean, growing up and in high school and all of these other things, you know, it's something that you, you kind of try and want to avoid or you find a few people just to be friends with who can, you know, kind of in secret do, do these things and just, uh, you know, be, be who you are. But I've really, I, that's I think that's really I, I, I love these things I'm unashamedly you know on Twitter looking at virtual reality and AR and all of these things and always okay. wanting to get the, the latest and the greatest gadgets and read fantasy books all, all day and all night and just yeah just just embrace being um, being a nerd I suppose at the end of the day love it that's a very cool answer thank you and um for you is there like a, a thought value or, or phrase that you live by I, not one in particular. I, I think I just just wanting to to add value every day. It's, it's it's something that I think about quite a lot. And is you know, am I adding value? It's, it's, that's that's really something that goes through my mind a lot in in a work day. And I see such incredible people in our business adding so much value, and I just keep thinking to myself, am I adding value? Just hopefully yeah. the answer is yes most days. But that's the that's that's what I think about quite a lot. Nice. And um, I suppose, obviously, you mentioned earlier that you've got your awesome co-founding team mm. um, who definitely act as that sort of mentorship layer and people to lean on. But is there anybody else, like any people leaders or, or a source of inspiration um, that you personally have or, or admire? Yeah, I think, you know, in, in this particular instance, I'm, I am going to say Sammy, our, our CEO, who, who really is the, the essence of our business, who, who lives our values and has set the mission and lives it every, every single day. And you know, in particular, we've spoken a lot about people in hiring today. He, he just has the most incredible insight into people and seeing who they truly are, often before they know it themselves. So it's just been incredible to, you know, to be with him and to be on this journey with him and to, to be here because, you know, he, he saw things in me before I even also realized it about myself along the journey. So it's just very, um, it's very inspiring to, to work with him and to, to, to be with someone who just really lives those, you know, the vision and the mission every single day with our values, just, just living embodiment of, of our mission. Yeah. And energizes you as well, right? Yeah, hundred like percent. Awesome. Well, look, thank you so much. And thank you for sharing, um, yeah, those final answers with us as well. <laughs> the more like, yeah, ad hoc personal questions are always fun. So really appreciate it. And I think it's so clear, like, you know, you like you life as a, as a company itself are obviously trying to, um, you know, create life enhancing benefits um, and inspire like life and positive living and stuff. And, and actually, by the sounds of it, you as a company for your employees are doing exactly the same right um so it's it's a it's a company that clearly lives really does live by its mission um and its values as well so thank you so much for sharing that with us today no, thank you very much